In a sermon years ago during Advent, I told a congregation that we don't have to be so purely Protestant that we can't use visuals in our church to tell our message. For example, I said to them, for Advent, let's start using the image perhaps of a bulldozer. Perhaps even put it on altar frontals and chasubles. That's right, a big yellow bulldozer representing the coming and judgment of God with all of God's power to change the face of the earth, lowering mountains and filling in valleys, making the way level, bringing an equality to all humans, regardless of whether they grew up on the safe hills overlooking town or in the flood-prone lowlands. If there's one thing the church can easily do, it is to remind us through liturgy and symbol of our call to reconcile one human being to another. Today we celebrate Pentecost, a principal feast in the life of the church that also can be an occasion to take our symbols and turn them into something new to proclaim the message that the church has in an era in which evangelism is so fundamentally changing. For example, we no longer see it as our goal to evangelize the unchurched so that we can help them become more like us. That sort of evangelism, for example, led to the subjugation of Native Americans in our own country and the destruction of their cultures. I therefore want us to be able to expand the wonderful imageries that we have for Pentecost, as in the imagery on the new altar frontal, the image of fire. Now, subconsciously, fire can play into a narrative of destruction because fire destroys and we've destroyed much. But fire also can be a purifying agent, but purity also can lead into purity codes, which has kept so many people away from the church's holy tables. And when we look at the fire coming down from heaven, we wonder how pertinent would it be simply to talk about a miracle of tongues of fire resting on people in a church of the 21st century in this age that looks for the church to focus less on the supernatural and instead deal with real issues of everyday hurt. But I do know that something holy and vital for today's church is going on in the lesson from the book of Acts. The amazement and astonishment on Pentecost is when people listen to the many and varied voices. Not simply tongues of fire, but honest-to-goodness tongues. Honest-to-goodness voices. So perhaps we can take a look at altar frontals such as this one and say, not only is it representing fire to us, but perhaps those peaks up there are an oscillogram of sound waves that become a powerful symbol on this day. I've just returned from a meeting of the House of Bishops Theology Committee. We had not met in over a year, and as you know, a lot has occurred in this nation in the last 12 months. We were trying to determine exactly what the church can do to help overcome the tension that exists even inside congregations over political loyalties. Also, how can the church address the selfishness of so many of our actions? And then there is the environmental struggle to care for creation. And more broadly, something that's been happening for years now, the isolation that results when the only voices we hear are chosen for us by unseen algorithms 
designed to reinforce what we already believe. As a result of that process, everything I read or listen to mirrors my worldview, and there's something unholy in that fact. What we know is that right now we are in a world of hurt, a world that is broken and sin-filled, I think that the anxiety that almost everyone feels every day is proof enough of the reality of that statement. So, the story of Pentecost gives us a chance to change the status quo. It comes not from emphasizing the tongues of fire themselves, a phrase that these days has a new meaning in our readiness to talk over and past one another with vitriol. Rather, the change comes from the admission that it is amazing and astonishing, to use the words of the writer of the book of Acts, to listen, to open one's ears to new voices, to open one's ears to the voice of God. Good news comes from listening as much as from proclamation. That's certainly a change from how we've looked at evangelism. Pentecost is as good a day as any to talk about the mission of the church. After all, we like to say somewhat jokingly that the church was born on this day. Any entity needs a mission or else it will soon die. Our mission is no less than the reconciliation of God with humanity and human being with human being. Authentic reconciliation can become reality when we listen, when we converse, and when we engage. When our theology committee started taking a close look at what it means for the body of Christ and its members to use the body's ears to listen, we realized that it's not something we can do while sitting in church buildings. Churches are fairly quiet places. Come here any weekday and experience the silence. Rather, listening and conversation and engagement take place when the church gets out of its buildings and puts its ear to the ground for a real Pentecost experience. Hear the multiplicity of languages. Hear the stories of people who disagree with us. Hear the stories of the least and the last who've never been in this room. Even hear the story of the earth itself as creation and the earth's varied people's continue to groan under our poor stewardship. Active listening can be painful, but if we can casually talk about tongues of fire coming down on people, which seems rather painful to me, then we can push through the experience of the pain of listening to stories that make us uncomfortable about our own complicity in the evils, both large and small, that make up so much of life. That's holy pain. And such holy pain can lead to, repent, lead to repentance. And repentance, not simply an apology, but a turning around to a new way to live. Well, repentance starts to make real the hope that we Christians have that ultimately we'll be reconciled with one another and in that process reconciled to God. The church that is born on Pentecost is not about having as its primary focus bringing more people into its buildings in order to make them more like us. If anything, people coming into our buildings ought to be teaching us a few things about what the world is really like. 
The church that's born on Pentecost is about good news. And good news, first and foremost, must be presented to people who feel that they have no good news in their lives, whether due to skin color or lack of opportunity or ill health or broken relationships or crushing debt or any accident of birth. We who are inside this church will sometimes find ourselves in one of those groups. And thus we need to listen to each other. And for all those people outside the church, we've got to go stand beside them and listen to their stories and talk with them and engage them so that the good news breaks forth even in the midst of this broken and sinful world. It is then that the kingdom of God starts becoming current reality. On this Pentecost, listen to the writer of the book of Acts when he tells us that it is amazing and astonishing when we hear the Medes and the Elamites and the Pamphylians of the 21st century. Whose voices are they? That's exactly why Holy Scripture is still holy. It's still speaking to us right now. The Pentecost story being lived out today. So, whose voices, whose languages will we hear? If we want to experience the good news, then listen to what the Spirit is saying to God's people. And when we listen, we'll be well on our way to finding eternal life. Amen.